a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So here we have the the promise of the virgin birth already. And, and now it says that he, this promised seed, shall bruise you, the serpent, on the head. So this, and you will bruise him on the heel. So uh, this is talking about the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. So this is the first gospel. What in the world? The Lord's Supper is to help rediscover your innate goodness? Holy smokes. That's like saying that glasses are to make sure you can't see. It's like saying your shoes are there to make sure you can't walk. It's like saying it's like saying a boat is there so that you sink to the bottom of the ocean. That's the goofiest thing I've ever heard. Councilman Darren Layton. Thank you, Mayor. On balance, I think as far as whether we do it on the 6th or the 12th, it matters about as much as my collection of Table Talk Radio points. Welcome to Table Talk Radio. You know, we need more people bringing Table Talk Radio into their local council meetings. Yeah, that's right. This is a very special edition of Table Talk Radio because this is the d- edition where Pastor Wolfmiller has uh, your full attention. I, no, 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 the so other way around. That he has... What? How, how do I say that? that Someone's f- attention is <laughs> fully given. You, you're going to be into this show. Do you know why? Because you forgot your laptop at home. <laughs> I'm completely computerless. Did you I've get, accomplished so much. Did today. you get it's your stunning. typewriter out and start working on your sermon or what? No, I'm sitting here writing notes with a thing called a pencil. Huh. It looks like I'm. I, my handwriting is like of a three-year-old since I haven't actually written anything down in probably three years. I'm a little surprised you know how to write still. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, um, even though you're computerless, do you remember what we're doing today? Uh, yes. Thanks for reminding me. The answer is, this is the extravaganza show. We're all into extravaganzas for two reasons. One is, it's just the way of the world this day, and we want to be relevant. And number two is, it really cuts down on show prep. Yes. So, uh, we have a Ten Commandments extravaganza. Oh, this is our political show. So, we are going to cover the Ten Com- a Voter's Guide to the Ten Commandments, uh, which we can have a link to an article on that on our Table Talk Radio page, I'm sure. That sounds familiar. Did we talk about that before? Probably last election time. Oh, okay. And then uh, the article, that. by the way, has been corrected of typos. Ooh. Well, at least the paper article. i got to get to a computer <laughs> to type them in. What a treat. And, and then we're going to play Ten Commandments in the News. In fact, why don't we just pile it up and do a voter's guide to the Ten Commandments in the News and just pile it all on there. That sounds good to me. Sounds good to me, too. How about a buzzer? Do you have one of those? I do. I found it in Wait. a book. Uh, <laughs> Holy cow. This is a throwback edition. I hit Alt-R and opened to a random book. page. <laughs> this comes actually from our theological study group this morning. We read on this group, if you're ever hanging around Aurora, Colorado, 6 a.m. on a Wednesday morning, come and join us at the Panera. We're reading Martin Chemnitz, The Examination of the Council of Trent, and it's a Greek word, and the word is uh, anazopurine, and it, it means rekindle. I'll read it uh, here in the text. Uh, in this sense, Paul uses the very beautiful word anazopurine, rekindle, in this way. 
rekindle the gift of God that is in you, 2 Timothy 1.6. And because we must begin with the Word and learn from the Word about the will of God and about the working of the Spirit, there's no doubt that when the Word is read, heard, and pondered, and a man conceives the purpose and the desire to apply it to himself, when he wrestles with carelessness, lack of faith, and stubbornness, etc., these are true workings and operations of the Holy Spirit, even though they may often be so hidden by reason of great infirmity that the presence and working of the Holy Spirit is not perceived with any ardent feeling. There, certainly, one must judge not from his feelings, but from the Word. So that's a beautiful quote there. But so that's the word rekindle or anazopurine now, from Second Timothy one six. Can I use rekindle or must I say anazopurine? Well, I'll give you ten points if you use rekindle. <laughs> to get the full five hundred, you got to use the original Greek. Ah, okay, no worries. My theological buzz phrase for you comes from Theopedia. You wouldn't know about that, but it's this website where you can hit Alt-R and, uh, and get it. It's a... not like I became Amish because I forgot <laughs> my computer at home. <laughs> Nobody take a picture. Oh, can you imagine you being Amish? No more selfies. <laughs> oh, poor bro. Oh, yeah, you uh, could do it. They had you, selfies you if sh- you're Amish. You, it's sh- just a, you just draw. It's called a self-portrait. <laughs> You should give up selfies for Lent. Oh, I don't Auto- think you, you know what an autobiography you is? It. It's a selfie with words. <laughs> Theological buzz phrase for you is clarity of Scripture, or as it says, also known as the uh, perspicuity of Scripture. But it teaches that the meanings of the text can be clear to the ordinary reader, that God uses the text of the Bible to communicate his person and will. The witness of the church throughout the ages is that ordinary people who approach it in faith and humility will be able to understand what the Bible is getting at, even if they meet with particular points of difficulty here and there. So this is in contrast, it says, to the other positions like that of the Roman Catholic Church, which asserts that the Scripture is unclear apart from the interpretive framework of the Catholic Church and tradition, and that of positions like postmodernism and Mormonism, which asserts that Subjective experience should be the preferred over knowing the uh, originally intended meaning of Scripture, since it is basically unclear. Hmm. Okay. So, clarity of Scripture means that you can read the Bible and know what it means. Yeah. I like That's it. That's good. I, I like it. it. Yeah. I think everybody hates the clarity of Scripture, by the way. I mean, they might not, like, if the clarity of Scripture walked up, they wouldn't punch it in the face. But they, their theology assaults the clarity of Scripture. It's not just the, our friends, the Papists, but our friends, the Anglicans, with their trifold authority experience, I mean, Scripture experience and reason, and the Methodists with their four things, Scripture experience, reason, and tradition, or what, who knows how many th- other things they have. The only reason you need anything but Scripture is because the Scripture's unclear, see? So, and, and, by the way, I also think about this clarity of Scripture. It doesn't mean that every single passage is clear. For example, we're plugging through Ezekiel 40 through 48 in Bible class about the new temple in Jerusalem? Who knows what that's talking about? I mean, it's talking about the church, but all these details, you just can't... And you read every commentary, and they say, yeah, we got no idea what this means, which is the point. (laughs) Not every passage is clear, but when we take the whole testimony of the Scriptures, we can develop, we we, we, we can say with a certainty that this is what the Lord wants to teach us here. Nice. I thought you said that Lutherans were unique in believing the, the clarity of Scripture. I think that's true. Well, why is it on, on Theopedia, then? 
Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Because the Reformed, they claim the clarity of Scripture until you start talking about the Lord's Supper. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, I got an email since uh, you're computerless today. Yeah. This is from our friend Chris. You know, Chris, Chris is uh, from Tillamook is getting all of the attention uh, on... I know. Uh, I know. The, he does. He does write some pretty good emails, but this one, dear listeners, you you, know, you just step up the email because uh, so we can stop just reading Chris's every time. <laughs> Whatever happened to our OCB official Calvinist blogger? Uh, well, I don't know. Um, you scare him away. If our uh, probably, I mean, our our outreach program somehow reversed. Backfired. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know why. We it seemed like we had a pretty solid plan with our outreach program. Dear ins- Calvinist, we still despise people. your doctrine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Chris writes, "Hey pastors, don't be so hard on the woman that you uh covered who converted from Catholicism to Islam." Remember that? Yeah. Uh, I'm sure she was just riding the train of sacramental entrepreneurship to its last oh, stop. You know, starting out with the truth held out inside of confessional Lutheran circles, which is uh, never enough sacrament for a good entrepreneur, is moving to Roman Catholicism where sacraments <laughs> abound in mass. Get it? In mass? In the mass. I got that. Anyway. I got that. I, you didn't even explain it to me. <laughs> this is totally different actually listening to you instead of putting stuff on Twitter. From the, <laughs> I know. For once, I'm trying to figure out what to do with my hands. For once, here. you're going to hear about what we're talking about on this show. <laughs> I know. From there, however, not even the Roman crazy way can hold a candle to the extreme sacramental proactivity that abounds even more greatly in the Islamic religion. What better place to set up shop? It's if it's extreme sacramental ish pursuits that you're after, you can, yes, you, top the glory of the jihad and the blessings that flow from personally delivering in the glory of your own death. It's message that is delivered to Muhammad from the God of Abraham himself. I ask you, how can Don't you put... Don't give out Chris's address, man. <laughs> <laughs> I ask you, how can you put such blame on one soul who so humbly and meekly pursuing the self's freedom by means of him or herself? An interesting question. Yeah. Sorry. If we were rough on this lady, the lady who became Lutheran and then Catholic and then Muslim, uh, she was following the same trajectory like a scud missile. He uh, concludes then with a quotation from Matthew 6.23, But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? May we all heed the words of our Lord, who taught us to be careful how we listen, lest we be led astray to deceitful lies, vain pursuits, and empty myths. Yes, I'll tell you what, I figured out, by the way, what is meant by the word sacramental in our circles these days. Uh, There's a lot of talk about being sacramental, like being missional. This is the strategy, you add L to it. And the definition is, to be sacramental means to have nothing to do with the actual sacraments. Okay, so um, Table Talk Radio is going to go on a commercial breakle. I was just trying to add AL to the end. Uh, if you have any uh, comments or questions for us, questions at tabletalkradio.org is the address. We'll be right back. Hi, 
Hi, this is Todd Wilkin, host of Issues Etc. When I can't sleep, I listen to Table Talk Radio. And we're back There's on Table Talk Radio. We know, dear listener, that you are starting to get the ballot in the mail. Or the election day is coming up, depending on the state that you're living in, in which you go to the to the polls to cast your vote for um, a senator or whatever else, governor, and whatever particular measures and amendments your state may be dealing with. This is the time, and this is the place you want to, uh, to, to listen and, and think theologically before you actually fill out that ballot. And we, dear listener, on Table Talk Radio have provided that service for you. And by we, oh, yeah. I mean we Pastor Wolf We are here for you. But, I think, but I, I think the problem is that what does the Bible have to say about life today? I mean, the Bible was written, you know, 20, 30 years ago. It can, how can it possibly be relevant to us today? Those of us on the inspired three-year three text just had the uh, gospel lesson of Render unto Caesar. Oh, yeah, that's coming up for us, too. That's a good one. And then after the election, we always have to sing the hymn, uh, how's it go? Trust not in princes, they are but mortal. Remember that from yeah. the psalm? Now, Ten Commandments of the Voter's Guide is the assumption, I got it here in my hand, and that is the assumption that the world should be ordered according to, God, according to God's institutions and that those institutions are outlined by the Ten Commandments. All right? So... You probably can't send this to me, can you? No. No. <laughs> I could take a picture of it with my camera and text it to you. <laughs> you know, Wonderful. though. You're, I'm going to say it, and you're going to be, oh, I, boing, I know exactly what you're is talking about. Is this online now, so, anywhere? It might be. Look up Ten Commandments to the Little Guide Wolfmuller on the Google. That's how I find out if I've written something. I just Google it. Uh, the version that you'll find on the Google has all the typos still. Don't worry. They're being corrected. Now. Hey, found it. Look at the second table of the law, which has the fourth, fifth, sixth, of the tenth, and tenth commandments. These are not just telling us what we should do and not do. The, the, the ten commandments are not just like the rules posted by the swimming pool. And that's how we want to think of them. You know, no glass containers, nobody under 12 years old. It's no. just kind of... There's that rules. no running, and then you do the whole walking, running thing. Yeah, walk real fast. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not running, Dad. I'm walking real fast. Now, uh, that is rules. The commandments are different because the commandments are there to protect God's established institutions. So, third commandment protects the church and preaching. Fourth commandment protects the institutions of family, and the sub institution of the government. The Fifth Commandment protects God's institution of life. Sixth Commandment, God's institution of marriage. Seventh Commandment, God's institution of stuff. Eighth Commandment, God's institution of justice and a good reputation, things like that. Now, these are important, and they govern our lives with our neighbors. So this is a what the ancient world and our Lutheran confessions call civil righteousness. And we don't need Moses to tell us this. I mean, it is helpful to have Moses because of the clarity of the Scripture. It's like having Moses, having the Ten Commandments, is like having the, the second table of the law is like having the cliff notes to natural law. So remember when you used to go to school and you're supposed to read this long book and you look at it and you'd be like, 20 pages, I'll never get through it. So you go and you get the cliff notes and it gives you a summary. 
Well, that is, the second table of law is the summary of the natural law. And so as we look to natural law, we want to know if we get it right or not. We could just check the Ten Commandments and see, hey, we got it right. Or no, we don't. Now, these institutions are also ordered for us in order of priority. So 4th, 5th, 6th, 7th, 9th, 10th commandments, these are in very particularly important. Now, what does this have to do with voting, you ask? I is just getting ready to ask. Well, when we vote, then, when we act as citizens, then we want to live in this world according to the institutions that God has given us, and we want to f- uh, find people that will acknowledge these institutions as um, universal and do something to support them. Do you see how that goes? I think that's a good idea. I think so, too. <laughs> this is me participating. <laughs> it was pretty good. So, any other thoughts about that? Uh, well, I, I, think no. that, I think that it's... Uh, I'll tell you what I was thinking about recently. All right. This, uh, I mean, we have this text, Render under Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Yeah, I've heard and, of that. And, uh, and I'm, I had mentioned that this does not just deal with dealing, uh, with paying your taxes, but um, any other duties that might be incumbent upon you under the government to which you're subject, which in America is very unique because uh, we are tasked with the uh, responsibility of placing into office the person that would carry it out uh, in a godly way. So, I mean, yeah. those uh, in Rome are not... Uh, I mean, the 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 Roman emperor isn't on a uh, campaign to be reelected. <laughs> it could be, but not with the not with the hoi polloi, but more with like with the with the senators, right? Yeah, yeah. But so, I know what you're talking about. That's why whenever we pray, for, uh, this is a new thing now that uh, we, we here at Hope. Whenever we uh, pray pray for the government, we don't pray for our rulers. We pray for our elected officials. <laughs> hmm. Because that's what they are, elected yeah. officials. They, they, they go into an office via the election of the electoral college or of the people or whatever. You know, it's different for depending on what office it is. And now you have an office, and that is the key thing, that they are an officer, that they hold an office. It's important. Now, now how does this so, – so, but now here, here's the question. Is how does our understanding of the law affect our vote? And here's the first way, and really, I mean, I think, I, I might be oversimplistic about this, but I think really the only way nowadays, the only choice that we have, is we look at the fifth commandment, which says you shall not murder. There's a basic institution of the fourth commandment, which establishes government, is to protect life. That's why the government has the authority of the sword. You know how we talk about the power of the sword that belongs to the state? Mm-hmm. And that sword can be pointed out, and that's war and armies. It can be pointed in, that's policemen and courts and judges and jails and things like that. But the reason why the government has the sword is for the sake of life, so that people would be alive. <laughs> Otherwise, the, the, what good does the government do you? So we have to protect life. So we ask, ask <laughs> so we ask, why can't I say the word ask? <laughs> mm. So we ask the question, does this guy protect life? And the way that that conversation comes just nowadays is with the twin issues of abortion and euthanasia, uh, and chiefly abortion. Are the, is the person in favor of ending the life of babies or against it? <laughs> but So I, I agree with all that. Um, but I think it's, I mean, to draw this parallel again, because 
um, say the President of the United States of America, for example, has that God-given duty by um, what, what God, what, the reason God had instituted the office of President of the United States for that very reason, what you just mentioned. There's also a, a, a something unique to our American context in that his job, um, as appointed by the founders of our country, is also to uh, d- um, execute the Constitution. So that the again, this wasn't this wouldn't be something that the Emperor of Rome would be given to do, but the the president is also to defend defend our liberties and our pursuit of happiness. Uh, yeah, that's fine. But life comes first. See, you oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be you can't have liberty or pursue happiness if you are in fact dead. So you got to be alive first. Now, so I, I mean, so so it it could be. I mean, I, w- I would love to have a political conversation about all sorts of things, like national defense and uh, the economy, and should we all be socialists or not. Uh, and all this sort of stuff. This would be these would be wonderful and great and engaging conversations. Uh, but the chief conversation that we have to have first is this ridiculous nonsense of should we let people murder their babies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable that we're even having the conversation. I, 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 I was talking to someone the other day. And uh, this was a Thrivent, about the Thrivent thing. You know the Thrivent? They, they sell the... Stuff. What do they even sell? Life insurance and things. <laughs> the stuff. And they they have choice dollars which go to support things. And so they were supporting Planned Parenthood. And then they stopped. The, people say, well, "Why you can't support Planned Parenthood?" So they stopped doing that and instead stopped supporting anything that had anything to do with life issues. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, that's like that's like saying. Um, that's like if you were seeing a parent giving poison to their child and like, hey, stop giving poison to the child. Then you say, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to poison or any food anyways at all. I'm not going to put anything in their mouth. I mean, it's just insane. It's like the twin, it's just twin insanity. And the guy says, well, you know, there's Christians that, that are pro-life and there are Christians that are pro-choice. And I said, no, you, to be pro-choice is not to be a Christian and it's not even to be a human. I mean... Can saving faith in Christ coexist with someone who thinks it's okay to end the life of a child? I suppose, but there's no consistency there. I mean, none at all. This is the basic thing about being a real human being is that we want babies to live. I don't even understand the argument anymore. Um, oh. I don't either. I do like the work of our friend... Uh... Scott Klusendorf, you know that guy? Um, Familiar with his work, at least. Uh, he name. he always he always brings it back to that life issue. So you you get somebody who says, "Well, it's not fair for a uh, for a, a woman who's raped to uh, be forced to to bear this child to uh, to term." And and he said, "I would agree with you if if the unborn isn't a human life. But if it is a human life, we have another standard." So then he says, well, let's just apply your rationale to a two-year-old. If a mother said, I can't put up with the pain of raising this two-year-old, would it follow then it's okay to kill the two-year-old? Well, of course, we would say no. So we have to apply that rationale to the unborn as well. We'll be right back after this.
is Dr. Carl Fikencher, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Table Talk Radio is my favorite illustration for the fall of man. Some nights I stay up casting in my bad luck. Some nights I call it a draw. Some nights I wish that my lips could build a castle. Some nights I wish they'd just fall off. But I still wake up, I still see a ghost, oh Lord, I'm still not sure what I stand for, oh, what do I stand for, what do I stand for, most nights I don't know anymore. Pastor Rothman, before the break, we were talking about how the government's uh, chief and and main goal is to protect uh, human life, and uh, I, I think in our country, the way that we see this uh, most relevant is the issue of abortion. And, and um, we talked uh, for a moment right before the break about uh, even in, the, in those very difficult and hard cases as well, right? Right, that's right. I mean, so we talk about what to do with the child conceived through violent means um, and how that's not fair to the mother. But what about the, say say that this horrible thing happens, that, that um, a woman is is assaulted by a man, what, what do you do with the man's other children, you know? Hmm. I mean, they are also the children of a rapist, you know, <laughs> four years old and eight years old. You don't go and, and, and kill them also. And, and this is the point, is that you want to, the, the justice wants to, um, wants to punish the person who commits the crime, not the person who's the victim of the crime, which would be both the mom and the child, too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's, pretty concerning that um, what we're really debating in this whole issue is is uh, what renders um, a person a person what what gives a person the the rights of uh, the right to live and the the rights of human dignity and in that instance the really the the defining factor is the will of the mother um, so so that uh, uh, you know we have these these inconsistency in the laws that if if uh, if, a, if a pregnant woman is is assaulted and the and the result of the assault is the uh, the loss of the unborn child, the uh, the criminal can be sentenced uh, for murder in that case. Um, but in if if the the mother says no, I don't want to carry this child to term, then then it's okay to get an abortion. And so really, the only difference in that matter is not what is intrinsically different between um you know case a and case b but it's really just that the mother has willed the child to live or not and now we're saying that uh the the reason you a person has human dignity is because another person has a particular will upon you and and that is just strikingly reminiscent of uh slavery yeah yeah it is this is a mess now uh look here here's part of the trouble about this whole thing i mean and this is true for example of also of the sin of divorce uh is that these things are um destructive to life and good things that's why nobody thinks divorce is good and yet we have the law of um, no fault divorce so that there's no punishment for someone for cheating on their spouse or uh for wanting to get a divorce there's no the, the law doesn't come and, and punish that. So now the church is in the very strange position of having to do some sort of, to do a thing that it's not supposed to do. And that's the same thing with abortion. It, 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 it should be that the church is standing here ready 
to offer the Lord's forgiveness to those people who have, um, you know, murdered their own children. And and the church does have that forgiveness. You know, that there, there's there's no sin that we can commit that is beyond the, the grasp of the Lord's mercy. And that is the chief work that we want to do. But because for some reason the world has just gone off the hinges and said, hey, no, we think this is an okay thing to do, that now the church has to speak up and do the thing that the state should do and say, no, this thing is wrong, mm-hmm. which is kind of a hassle. Now, that's all the way across, especially with um, the Fifth Commandment, uh, which is abortion, and the Sixth Commandment, which has to do with marriage and divorce and man and woman and having babies things like this, and uh, also with the Seventh Commandment, private property, where the church has to say, hey, it's okay if a person puts their name on something. That's, in fact, fine, um, you know, and good, uh, etc. So, um, uh, and, and the Eighth Commandment, too, where we stand up for kind of justice. Th- th- this is all should be the stuff that the state does and the citizen does, but apparently we just have forgotten about it, and we're totally ide- idealized and and uh, off the rails, uh, the, the, the institutions have all crumbled around us. So now the church has to stand up and, and preach the law in this way, which is, again, a kind of strange thing for the church to have to do. Yeah. Well, do you want to do a little Ten Commandments in the news? Do I ever. Okay. I have a story here from News One, whatever that is. News One. Uh, Multiple sources. One story. You think? News no. One. No, wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, Marilyn Rines uh, of Lawton, Oklahoma, is currently behind bars and has been charged with assault and disturbing the peace for showing up at Comanche County Memorial Hospital emergency room claiming to have the deadly Ebola virus, according to ABC7 News. Rines reportedly informed healthcare workers at the hospital that both she and her son have a fever that could have been contracted from an African foreign exchange student who had been staying in her home. Once Ebola was mentioned, a team of healthcare specialists were alerted immediately to come and examine Ryan's and her son. Upon further examination, a few of the nurses realized that Ryan's was extremely intoxicated. According to police, Ryan's was erratic and belligerent during the examination process, faking seizures and actually headbutting hospital staff members who have been trying to assist her. Police were summoned, and after making inquiries at the Lawton Public School System with regards to Ryan's mentioned an African exchange student, officials discovered the woman had lied. No exchange students from Africa were listed in the school's district system. After Ryan's and her son examined at the hospital were given clearance, she was then arrested and placed behind bars. She is currently awaiting arrangement. <laughs> that is a goofy story. What do you think of that? <laughs> well, we got the Ebola virus, which comes under the category of you shall not kill. It's apparently the Ebola is mad at humanity, man. This They get after it. That virus. You know what? You know what I think is interesting about the Ebola virus? What? Is uh, uh, it, it reveals our idolatry in healthcare. Because now we have a virus, which isn't especially contagious, by the way. I mean, it's contagious, don't get me wrong. But it's not like the common cold, where uh, you, you sneeze on a guy uh, and you get all uh, you, get, you get the virus. This is, right. this is passed through um, you know, bodily fluids and whatnot. So, <laughs> uh, I mean... Uh, but but we're so afraid of this thing because there's like a, a 90% death rate with this virus. 
and we've kind of met our match that we we don't have the medical answer to this problem and so our our false god is now exposed and uh and we are freaking out <laughs> i'll tell you a story about ebola you ready yeah <laughs> i don't know if this is going to be helpful or not there was a time in when i was a senior in high school and me and my buddy uh were driving we drove up to up here to colorado to visit a school colorado state university to see if we wanted to go to school there and driving back the car broke down and so we pushed this car the fuel pump broke we pushed it like a mile down the interstate into this abandoned barn and um and we set a, and we slept in this abandoned barn well i had been reading the book outbreak <laughs> which was about some strain of Ebola, I think, that got loose and killed everybody. I mean, you would get this virus and then just explode, basically. And so so I was kind of freaking out about this book. Well, anyway, we, we're it's late at night and we're freezing. We built a fire. The mattress that I was sleeping on caught on fire. My boot caught on fire. The, uh, it, was a, it was a bit of a mess. Uh, but anyway, so we go into this house next to this abandoned barn, and there's nothing but a refrigerator full of... Uh, like medical vials. <laughs> hmm. And we were sure that whatever happened there, there was some sort of super contagious disease that was quarantined in this house, and it's why the people <laughs> left it. And that now we had it. Anyway. How, how, how long did you go went. on thinking that? Oh, I don't know. If probably, I mean, in the middle of the mattress catching on fire and the, the police not coming, the, the, so apparently people were driving by and saw this mattress on fire, and we found this out the next day when the police were giving us a ride that that they called it in uh that uh that like a couple truckers called it in hey there's a mattress on fire outside this abandoned barn but the police didn't respond because people always called in with goofy stories like that and they just figured the place was haunted <laughs> <laughs> this so thing was bizarre. crazy we rode in the, the i mean the, the, oh anyway it's a longer story than that but any, that anyhow, was just the best part. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I mean, it got worse. I mean, the next day, riding in the back of this, these two, it was like nine in the morning. And these two plumbers picked us up, and they were, they were already drunk. We were like 17 years old, and they said, "You guys want a beer?" <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, after sleeping in this barn where the we had all, the only thing we had to drink was a Dr Pepper, which froze, and it was right two feet from my head. Oh. And uh, so they're driving into town, racing the train, as we sit in the back on top of their tools, drinking a beer. <laughs> anyway, good times. That scared the Ebola right out of me. <laughs> now, so that's the fifth commandment. Back to the point here. Fifth commandment is uh, this this lady who was drunk and pretending like she had Ebola. Um, fourth commandment. It said that she said that it was her and her son, right? Mm-hmm. We're contaminated. Right. Um, what commandment do you think has to do with hospitals? You know, I think hospitals are first article of the creed. Uh, God, uh, and it has to do with God, the creator. Probably a place for fifth home. commandment in that the hospital is trying to preserve life. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, eighth commandment, you shall not lie. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's some more. We'll count them up over the break. Okay, count them up over the break, and then another another segment of Table Talk Radio after this. We'll be right back after this break.
Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Table Talk Radio will be right back. Now, what could possibly be wrong with lying about the fact that you have Ebola and going to the hospital and telling people about it? I can't think of anything that would be wrong with that, but that's a news story. <laughs> Headbutting the doctors. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Hey, we just want to take your temperature. Boom! <laughs> take this! Pow! I wonder if she was like. This is flat out nuts. This guy's she... like the story from New Mexico. That's the Albuquerque news. But I, I guess what, what I wonder, I mean, who goes to the hospital saying that you have an illness? I mean, would you, who wants to go through the ringer? I mean, I, I think that she was probably delusional in her, I, mean, I bet it wasn't just alcohol, I bet it was other drugs, too. I mean, she probably thought she actually Maybe. did have it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. She gets worked up into a, some sort of froth. Now, drunkenness, by the way... To pin down drunkenness to a commandment is a little bit of a tricky business. People used to say, hey, drunkenness, that's fifth commandment. You're killing yourself. But no, no, my friends, that's not the problem with drunkenness. The problem with drunkenness is that it's like dr- drinking is unhealthy. The pr- problem is that drunkenness is a deadening of your conscience, which is helpful for keeping all of the commandments. So it's so a one through ten commandment? Yes, the, it is a existence of the law written in your heart commandment. And that law speaks. It says things like, hey, you shouldn't go to the hospital and lie about having Ebola. <laughs> a normal functioning conscience would tell you that. But if you get drunk enough, then it stops telling you not to do things like that. And it tells you uh, things like, uh, hey, you should go to the hospital and tell you have Ebola. <laughs> Hey, I got an idea. What? <laughs> this is, I don't know how this, come on, kids, get in the car. Let's go down to the hospital. <laughs> Headbutt some nurses. Is that it? You, so you have uh, four, probably five, probably cost a bunch of money. Eight. Fourth commandment, fifth commandment, eighth commandment, sixth commandment. Nine, oh, and then one through ten commandments, too. One through ten. I guess you kind of got that. Yeah, okay. Um, seven, it's just going to cost a lot of money. For someone, probably not this lady. Um, now, Ebola, you're right. Ebola has us worked up into a froth. I'll tell you what. So I saw this picture on the Instagram the other day because I'm on Instagram trying to get more followers than Hannah. Remember how I was telling you about that just a minute ago? Oh, yeah. If you guys, you're listening, I'll probably get three extra followers from this right here. If you're, if you're on the Instagram, you could follow me at... Yeah, but Wolf me there or something. But now everybody's going to want to look up Hannah's because you know it's wildly more popular than yours. Yeah, but it's anonymous. You'll never find it. <laughs> Brian Wolfmuller <laughs> is my Instagram. I put a bunch of Melanchthon hate tweets and uh, Kimnitz hate tweets up there on the Instagram because you know I'm a hater. Maybe that's your problem. Maybe you'd get more listeners if it was anonymous. <laughs> Less hater. I put a picture. <laughs> I put a picture of uh, Chemnitz up there from our Bible study this morning where he said, um, don't worry, I'll tell you. For the word of God preached, read, heard, meditated on is the means or instrument through which the Holy Spirit is effective and works in the mind, will, and heart of man. You know what that is? Hmm. Hateful doctrine. I'm just Hater. telling you. Hater. Hater. Okay. All right. All right let's move on. Do you have a, do you have a uh, news story for me? No. You don't. Interesting. I don't have a computer. 
I can. Yeah, here I can. Oh, I forgot. I they could, don't report the news on cell phones these days. Um, you're just lucky I haven't figured out how to check Facebook on this thing. Hold on, I got this thing called the Flipboard that has news. Oh, oh, this is a thing that happened today. I just heard about. My dad was telling me. Canadian Parliament on lockdown after shooting. Did you hear about this thing? Yeah, yeah. Some terrorist walked into the Canadian Parliament? Uh, uh, live update. Police lockdown downtown Ottawa. Oh, it's updating now. Uh, amid investigation, soldier shot on Parliament Hill dies in hospital. Suspected gunman shot in Parliament building. Prime Minister Stephen Harper's safe evacuations begin. Whew, man. Um, this is a live tweeting thing. Don't do Let's your see. hate tweets now. That would just be... The deceased gunman has been identified as M- Michael Zehef Babu. Uh, variously quoting intelligence officials, uh, Canadian born in 1982 and who reportedly converted to Islam has been what? brought to... U- <laughs> it's unheard of. It's a religion that, of pieces. That comes as a big surprise to me. Has been brought to U.S. agencies' attention, according to two American officials. One of the officials said the man was from Quebec, according to Reuters. All right, what do you think about this one? All right, uh, we have uh, the biggest one is the fifth commandment, thou shalt not sh- shoot other people. <laughs> um, this is, uh, man, these, we got it. This terrorism business is crazy. Yeah. You know, going around shooting up people, just, it's, it's just bad. Yeah. Religion of um, peace. Yeah. Uh, so we have first commandment in that, too, that the uh, shall have no other gods. Um, There's a, something, too. You know the anti-catechism? Remember the anti-catechism, how, how the devil assaults the Lord's institutions? And one of the ways he assaults the first commandment, atheism, uh, polytheism, any sort of false god, but he also assaults the first commandment through terrorism. So, so that we should fear something else. Mm-hmm. So, what am I afraid of? That's a good way of identifying my gods, and it could be Ebola or it could be the jihadists. Right? Yeah, good point. Hmm. Um, I think that goes along with that. Then, uh, second commandment, um, uh, Allah Akbar. <laughs> the Did he? Sh- was he shouting the thing? Here? I, I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, misusing the Lord's name. Having the the wrong God on your lips. Um, okay, then uh, miserable. Fourth commandment is the Parliament, so that the the Canadian government is the other authorities that's referred to. Uh, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think that's probably pretty pretty good. Now, I I want to know. Um, since you live in a town that had this actually happen, just right there in your backyard with the Aurora Theater shooting. That guy, I don't think, is a Muslim yet. He's in prison, though, so... No, no, but but him. I think just, just the, the terror... I mean, you 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 had the opportunity, um, in the negative sense of the word, to kind of see how this affects a community. Yeah, it's horrible. Any, uh, I th- did I tell you this? I mean, I think back now, trying to remember the months after the theater shooting, and... Um, uh, the, the whole place is mourning, and I, it, I was—I I personally was just exhausted for months. And I think it was the burden of being a citizen in a place that was mourning. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have any other way to identify what that was. 
We need. We normally I, the the vocation of being a citizen of Aurora, Colorado, is normally not that much on my mind. But when you're when a tragedy like that strikes, now it kind of it presses down on you, um, and the and the general kind of pale that covers everything. And then it goes in surprising stages. So I thought the first thing that happens is people say, where's God? But the first thing that happens is everyone rallies to help. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody says, "What? how can I serve my neighbor? Yeah. And you have these huge lines at the blood bank and everything. I mean, everybody does whatever they can to help. And then it's when the dust starts to settle in a few weeks, then come the question, how, how can this, how can these things happen? You and I know? think we saw that with the... Um Boston Marathon bombing, too. You had these doctors that just got <laughs> running 26 miles, and then this happens. They start, you know, getting into action and helping people. Yeah. Um, now, there is a there is a big temptation after um, the Muslim strike, and that is to worship with them. But I would uh, encourage Canada to resist the temptation. Um, there, This is a weird thing now. It seems like the, what happens is you get a Muslim terrorism, a Muslim act of terror, and then all of a sudden everyone rushes to say that Mus- Islam is not a terrorist religion. It's a strange phenomenon because that happened you know, after the theater shooting here, and, and you'd hear people being interviewed the day after or whatever, and they would say, you know, this this opportunity has really shown us the goodness of man. Like, what? <laughs> uh, it's the, uh, you have seen the exact opposite of that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, that was the 9-11 thing, too, wasn't it? I mean, we, we had, I don't know what other evidence you need of, of uh, uh, religion's theology uh, telling its adherents to uh, murder innocent people, and then every every news outlet was was talking about how you know Islam is a religion of peace. And you're going, wait a minute, well, hold on a minute. That doesn't seem quite right. It doesn't fit well. And the, here's the thing that I think we got to get our heads around, and that is that Islam is in fact not a religion at all. Yeah, it's just a set of rules. There's no. It doesn't have a theology. What is the theology of Islam? That God is one? And that's not theology. That's just obvious. That's just a definition. It's just a definition of a word. So there's right. no so, there's no real theology at all in Islam. I, it's just a code of conduct. Yeah, I think you make a good point that uh that people are so uh so quick to try and defend its actions because it's a religion and we shouldn't be um bashing other religions unless it's Christianity. But if we were treating Islam as a as a political organization, uh, I Which don't think it that, is right. I don't think that we would be having quite the insistence upon it being such a a, a religion of peace. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, first, second, and fifth, and fourth. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like the joy of being headbutted by a drunk lady that doesn't have Ebola. <laughs> Oh, that sounds joyful. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Go vote.